Amen. The title of our message today is The God of the Impossible. And um, praise the Lord. I love that video. I love seeing a manly Jesus. Amen. I mean, he, he looked, I mean, he was built. I mean, he was manly. I liked, I liked that. So today I'm going to share a message with you based out of the book of Daniel. You said, now why would you take a passage out of the book of Daniel? This is Resurrection Sunday. Well, in reality, every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday for the follower of Christ. And there's a very good, distinct possibility that you already believe that. I don't think you would be here today if you did not have at least a residue, a modicum of faith within you. And so I am presupposing that you believe that. Did you believe that Jesus Christ is who He says He is, and that He died for your sins, He was buried, and on the third day God raised Him from the dead. Over the last few weeks I have been reading in the book of Daniel, in my devotional times, in my quiet times with the Lord. We are currently studying the book of Revelation here on Sunday mornings, and a lot of times when you read Revelation you need to go to the book of Daniel and other Old Testament texts to understand better uh, the New Testament. So I've been studying the book of Daniel really devotionally. and. And as I was reading chapter 2, God just really began to grab my heart, and He just spoke to me. And so, I want to share a message with you that the Lord shared with me. Now, it's entitled, The God of the Impossible, because our faith is built and predicated upon the miraculous. Think about it. From creation to redemption to consummation, all the major doctrines of the Christian faith are predicated upon the miraculous or the supernatural when God intervenes and He does that which has never been done before. For example, Jesus, who has ever died and arose from the dead never to die again? Of course, that's our Lord. That's our, that's our faith. When you think about the life of Christ, you think about His virgin birth. How about that? You know anybody that's been virgin born lately? No. I mean, He is virgin born. He touched blinded eyes. I'm talking about people with congenital blindness. They were born blind. Jesus touches them and heals them. He raises Lazarus from the dead. He Himself rises from the dead. So our faith is built upon the supernatural and the miraculous. And so in the book of Daniel, I'm going to share with you how this man encountered great obstacles, great impossibilities and how God delivered him time and time again. And and here really is my premise. Here's the thesis of my message. If God can do that in the past, then God can do in your life in the present, okay? So Daniel uh, chapter 2 is what I'm going to be reading for you today. Let me give you a little background about the book of Daniel. Man, I came to church on Easter, and the pastor's preaching in the Old Testament. What is the world coming to? Well, I want, I want to help you. I want to, I want to encourage you with this great uh, prophet of the faith. Daniel chapter 1, he and his three uh, Hebrew teenage friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they are deported, literally taken out of modern-day Iraq, uh, Baghdad, and they are transported over to uh, Jerusalem. And Daniel and these three teenage uh, young boys, they, they're very bright, they're very handsome, and Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, wants to take them and place them within his royal cabinet. He wants to indoctrinate them and teach them the language of the Chaldeans and raise them up to serve in his royal palace. And so Daniel and his three friends, they are told, you're going to have to undergo three years of rigorous training, indoctrinization, and teaching, and you're also going to have to eat the king's delicacies 
and drink his wine because this is the best the world has to offer and we want you to do this. And Daniel chapter 1 verse 8 says, Daniel purposed in his heart, he determined that he would not defile himself and his belief in God by doing that. So Daniel and his three Hebrew teenage friends, they ate raw vegetables and drank water for three years. By the way, this has become very popular today uh, in the 21st century. It's called the Daniel Fast, where people will literally go on a fast for an extended period of time eating just vegetables and drinking water. Well, after three years, they examined Daniel and his three friends, and they found them to be more wise more robust, their cheeks were fat and healthy, and and so they looked upon that as a miracle that God had blessed them in spite of them not eating the king's delicacies or drinking his wine. That's Daniel chapter 1. Now you come to Daniel chapter 2. This is a fascinating passage of Scripture because King Nebuchadnezzar, he makes a decree that everyone must bow down and worship him or they're going to face some dire consequences. And so Daniel and his three friends, what what they do is it's it's just an amazing thing how God intervenes and delivers them. Well, Daniel chapter 2, the Nebuchadnezzar, he has a dream. And in the dream, he he is baffled and fascinated, and he can't understand what is going on in the dream, and so he makes this royal decree. He said, all the wise men in Babylon, I want you to not only interpret the dream, listen to this, but I want you to tell me the very dream itself. Now, you know that's impossible. That is absolutely unequivocally impossible. You cannot, you can't read the king's dream in his mind. And so the king began to systematically execute, true story, and kill all the wise men in Babylon, and he comes to Daniel. And verse 13 says, though the decree, it went out, and they began killing the wise men, and they sought Daniel and his companions in order that they may kill them. And so Daniel, he prays, he says, God, you've got to come through for me. You've got to give me not only the interpretation, but you also have to give me the actual dream itself. And I just want you to know, guys, that's precisely what God did in a night vision. God spoke to Daniel, his prophet, and gave him not only the interpretation, but more importantly, gave him the very content of the dream itself. And we read in verse 18, here's what Daniel and his three Hebrew friends, they sought the Lord, the God of mercies in heaven and and this secret so that Daniel and his companions might not, uh, that they might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And God heard that prayer. And notice in verse 23 that Daniel says, oh, praise you, God. I thank you, God of my fathers. You've given me wisdom and might, and you have now made known to me what we have asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's demand. And Daniel chapter 2 closes with a mighty crescendo. Daniel and the three Hebrew friends of his, they get on their knees before God, and let's, let's see verse 47 where it just talks about how they, Daniel said, truly our God is the God of gods, the Lord of lords, and He is a revealer of secrets, since you could, since you could reveal this secret. So we're going back in time, and we're studying an Old Testament prophet by the name of Daniel, and we're going to look how God intervened in his life and brought about the supernatural so that not only we would see it and read it, but I really believe because God has so burdened my heart for this message today, so that you today would read it, see it, and believe it, and find that the same God of Daniel, 
The same God, the Father that raised His Son, Jesus Christ, from the dead. The same God that specializes in the supernatural. I'm talking about the one true living God, not one of the many gods and goddesses of this world, but I'm talking about the real deal, the one true God who created you and who created this world, and and the same God that put everything together in a masterpiece. He made you. He created you. He loves you. That God today, He wants to do the impossible in your life. Because you know what? All of us, number one, face impossible situations. If you have your little notes before you there in the, in the bulletin, in the worship guide, that's what it says. Number one, everybody faces impossibilities, be it with our families, our marriages, be it with our finances, be it with our church, our government, our church, whatever it is. Everybody faces some difficulty and impossibility. Daniel certainly did. How in the world could he know the dream and interpret the dream unless God worked uh, the miraculous. You know, we as human beings, we're, we're funny, we're funny creatures. We know deep within our, in our hearts that there is a God. We know that things just could not, you know, happen, I mean, by accident. We, we know that there is a master architect, a designer behind it all. And here's how I know that, because when things begin to go bad, even the God we say we don't believe in, He's the one we blame. Have you ever noticed that? He's the one that we get mad at, and, and you say, well, I thought you didn't believe in him. Well, yeah, well, I do now, because somebody has to, has to blame. But you know, it's, it's important to remember that Daniel really had no control over his circumstances. The king made the mandate, the king made the royal decree, and Daniel just had to, to live with it. We live in a fallen world. We live in a world where in the, in the natural realm, there are catastrophic events such as tornadoes and tsunamis and and hurricanes, and we really have no control over that. And by the way, we have those same tsunamis and tornadoes and hurricanes in the spiritual realm and in the human realm. If you don't believe that, then just open your eyes. Look over in the Middle East. Just look in our world today. I mean, we have people today, and they are growing in massive numbers, and they hate us. They hate Americans, and they hate especially our faith. 150 students slaughtered. Why? Because they were followers of Christ. Listen. We live in a fallen and a dark world, and all of us are going to bump into this darkness. You know, the Bible says that when Adam and Eve fell, when they sinned against God, sin entered the world, corrupted the world, and now we have this world, and it is full of difficulty and full of painful experiences. And you say, well, that's right, and that's where I am today. I'm faced with the gross reality of of the mistakes that I've made and the sins that I've committed and and the sins that have been committed against me, and and I'm faced with all sorts of insurmountable odds and and obstacles and, and prodigious mountains in front of me, and I'm just thinking, could God, this one true God, do you think He could help me? Let me tell you something, friend, you're in the right place. This God can help you, and by the way, He's the only God that can truly help you and intervene in your dark night and in your difficult scenario. You know, Jesus faced some hardship and impossibilities. He really did. He faced them, but in the power of God the Father, He did the unthinkable. He healed people. He raised people from the dead. He Himself arose, and that is the preeminent. That is the awesome miracle of all miracles, that God comes in the flesh. Really, 
God the Son leaves the royalty of heaven, and He walks upon us here on planet earth, and He commits miracles after miracles, and it is attested to us in the Word of God. And then He rises from the dead, and billions of people today are worshiping Him. Listen, set your DVR tonight for AD on NBC. It comes on at 8 o'clock. And if you're like me, and you, you may not be around your TV at 8 o'clock on a Sunday night, tape it and watch it, because you're going to see how the Christian faith is Judeo based faith is fraught with the miraculous. God is a God of the impossible. All of us face these situations. Number two, how do we respond? Number two, we pray. You say, no, wait a minute. Surely there's something else. <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean? Just, just pray? Like, pray. Yep. Prayer works. Daniel and his friends sought the mercies from the God of heaven. He didn't bargain with God. He didn't try to manipulate God. He just prayed. He said, God, would you deliver me? God, would you help me? It reminds me of another Old Testament character by the name of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah faces the king Artaxerxes, the king of the Medes and the Persians around 450 B.C., and, and he goes in before the king. And by the way, Nehemiah is a cupbearer, which means he tasted the wine and tasted the food before they gave it to the king. Some of you are like, man, I'd like that job. That sounds like a pretty, pretty cool job. Well, it was a pretty cool job unless somebody was trying to poison the king. Then, it, then it's not a very cool job. And you die and the king lives. Blessed be the king. That's your job. You're the cupbearer. And Nehemiah goes in, and, and the Bible says he's sad. And, and by the way, and especially in a reigning despot, a reigning monarch, you don't go into his presence with a sad countenance. You go in there all bubbly and jubilant because you want, you want the king to be happy and joyous. And Nehemiah, taking his life in his own hands, he goes into the royal court of the king, Artaxerxes, and he is sad. And the king said in verse 4 of Nehemiah chapter 2, he said, what's wrong with you, Nehemiah? What do you request? Look at this. Isn't this, isn't this simple? Isn't this awesome? Nehemiah said, so I prayed to the God of heaven. And that's what we do. When we're in impossible situations, when we're faced with prodigious assignments and difficulties, we don't roll up our sleeves. We don't just try to manipulate the situation. We've tried that. We've done that. We've relied on our intellect and our acumen and our erudite ability, and we've relied on our brawn and our brains and our muscles, and we always find out that those human dimensions always fail us. We, we're never able to really break through. We're never really able to accomplish our destiny. Why? Because we need God. We need Him. We desperately need Him. And the way you connect to Him is that you pray. You say, man, it's got to be more to it than that. No, there's really not. Jesus, on the eve of His crucifixion, He cried out in Luke 22, 42. We shared this in our Good Friday service on Friday night when Jesus said, God the Father, if it be Your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but Your will be done. In prayer, God exchanges our selfish will with His divine, powerful, awesome will. When's the last time you prayed to God? Can I encourage you today in your impossibility? And by the way, let's just be real. We're just humans here today. Let's be real. You are faced with some impossible difficulties today. I know you are. All of us do. And I mentioned whether it's finances or whether it's family, whether it's marriage, whether it's your job, whatever it is, you're faced with it, and God is looking upon you today. He's saying, would you do what I'm asking you to do? Would you call out to me? in prayer. And some of you say, well, those are good stories from the Bible, and I appreciate Daniel. 
I appreciate Nehemiah, and I appreciate Jesus, but where is the God of Daniel and Nehemiah today? Where is He? A better question is, where are the Daniels and Nehemiahs of God? That's really the better question. Where are the people of faith? A few weeks ago, I was in India, and we were serving the Lord there, and God really blessed our trip. So you seem to go to India a lot. Why do, why do you go over to South Asia so often? Well, because God's called me to. God's called me to go and preach the gospel, to tell people who've never heard. And we are in the land of 1.4 billion people. Can you wrap your mind around that for just a minute? 1.4 billion people, 330 million gods and goddesses, gnat gods, donkey gods, cow gods, all of these plethora, pantheon of gods and goddesses. And let me tell you something, it's not that they're religious, they're very religious, and they worship at the altar of these gods and goddesses. And I'm going over there, and our little band of believers, and we're telling them about the God, the God of heaven, the God who created them. And we're in this room, we're in this home of this people group, this unengaged, unreached people group, and they're packed into this home. When I say home, I'm talking very humble abode. It's so humble, one whole side of the, of the little home is missing. And you can look out, and there's a litter of puppies and a goat, literally puppies and goats, right next to their home. And the people are just packed in there, and we're sharing with them about God and about the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, this triune, awesome God that we know and serve. And so after we share with them, this lady, she raised her hand, and she says, I want to say something. Now, all these are Hindus, by the way. None of them are converts to Christianity or Christ, at least that's what we thought. And this 20-year-old young lady, she said, I had heard in America that people believe on Jesus and Jesus heals them. And I thought, oh no, what has she seen? She's seen somebody on TV, she's seen somebody blow on somebody or touch somebody and they fall out. I said, oh mercy, that's, that's, not, that's not good, that's not good. She goes, no, but wait a minute, my mom was dying. And I thought, well, what have I got to lose? So I called on what they think is the American God. They, they, they associate Jesus with, with, with Westernism. And so she said, I mean, there she is in South Asia in another planet, almost in another life. And she said, I called out to Jesus, and my mom was healed of her sickness. And her mom was sitting right behind her. And her mom got all excited, and she said, in front of all of her Hindu friends and family, she said, yes, he did, and now me and my daughter, we are now followers of Jesus Christ. It was awesome. It was awesome. <clears throat> he said, well, that's good in the Bible, and that's good in India, but these are not Bible times, and these are not, this is not Indian culture. This is America. Is God still answering prayers miraculously in America? He, he really is. There's a lady named Asia Ford. It's not a cool name, Asia Ford. It's an African-American lady. She weighed about 400-and-something pounds, went on a diet, lost 200 pounds, entered into a 10K marathon. That's about 6.2 miles. And she's still, she's still a little large, you know, and she's entering into this uh, race. And uh, she wants to beat her previous time. And so there she is, Asia Ford, 35 years of age, Louisville, Kentucky. She makes it about mile four and mile five. She looks at her son. She says, honey, I'm about to pass out. I'm about to collapse. It's over. I wish I could have made mile six, but I just can't do it. But she said, this is what I'm going to do. She said, I called out to God. I said, God, please let me take a few more steps. 
By the way, that's great theology. When you don't know what to do, take the next step. When you don't know what to do, just pray and ask God. She said, at that moment, He came. He. Who is He? Ah, here He comes, all right? We, we don't see a lot of this in, in the media. I, I wish we did. He's a white man. She's a black lady. He steps out of the crowd, a police officer. His name is Lieutenant Aubrey Gregory. He comes out of the crowd, and he takes her by the right arm, and he says, Honey, you've only got one mile, and we are going to do this together. And sure enough, they went through mile five. They went through mile six. And there's a picture of them two standing in this throng of people. And this Asia Force, she's just praising the Lord. Now she's just rejoicing and happy. And then they interviewed him. They interviewed this police officer. Here's what he said. Oh, I got chill bumps on me, right? Hold on just a second. Hold on. He said, God, God spoke to my heart. And he told me to go out there. Listen now, she's praying, God, help me. I don't think I can make it. And he's over here going, and I feel this impression of God saying, you need to go and help her. And so the two come together. Listen, it might be Bible times. It might be Indian times. It might be American times. God is real. He will answer. He, he will answer you. So, so all of us face impossible situations. The, 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 the main thing we need to do is pray and believe. The third point is believe God. Now, don't get upset with me when I start mentioning this next part. Believe God, but don't try to manipulate God. When you read Daniel and Nehemiah, you read Paul, the apostle, you read about Ruth and Esther, read about Jesus and others in the Bible, read about our man Daniel again. They don't try to manipulate and force their way. They, they pray, and they, and they seek God, and they, and they wait on God, and, and they believe, and they, they literally trust God. A little later in Daniel's life, this is Daniel chapter 6, a king by the name of Darius, the Medes and the Persians, they have taken over uh, Babylon. And Darius is really tricked into signing this decree that if anybody would not bow down to worship him, they would have to be thrown in a den of lions. You, you remember the story? Did you see it on the screen a moment ago? Daniel in the den of lions. And what was so fascinating to me is what Daniel did not do. Daniel didn't shake his fist up to heaven. He didn't get all angry. He didn't get all bent out of shape. He didn't pack his bags and leave the royal palace and go somewhere else. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, watch this. Look at this on the screen. The Bible says Daniel did what he always did in times of crisis. He knew the writing was signed, the royal decree. He knew it was his death warrant. He went home, and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem there, he knelt down on his knees three times that day. He prayed. Come on now. He prayed. Next, he gave thanks I don't know if this is convicting anybody else, but it sure convicted me to the core. Not only did he pray and believe, but he, he thanked God, as was his custom since early days. No argumentation, no manipulation, no packing his bags, just saying, God, I am faced with an impossible situation. 
And I'm calling upon on you because you are the God of miracles, you are the God of all gods, the King of all kings. And just like you spoke to me and gave me that vision, that dream and the interpretation, Lord, I'm going to need you again. I'm going to need you to close the mouths of these lions. Oh God, would you do it? I thank you and I praise you. And the rest of the story is another miraculous event where God stepped in and saved the day. Uh, There's a lady coming to our church, and her name is Rocky. Come on, what a name for a lady, Rocky. Not Balboa, but her name is Rocky Nasser. She's coming Friday morning. If you're of the female gender, I I really encourage you to come hear her Friday morning at the brunch with our Global Impact Celebration. She was born in Jordan. Her family moved to Chicago when she was six years of age. Her dad's a very devout Muslim, and he inculcated her, he he separated her from Western culture, and he he, he basically protected her from what what he viewed as all the evil influences of America, and he tried his best to to just keep her isolated, and he did, until she graduated from high school. He said, well, now it's time for you to get married, and I know who you're going to marry. By the way, they still do this in some cultures. You're going to marry your first cousin. And you, I'm going to give you a, an airline ticket from Chicago to Amman, Jordan. And when I go talk to your first cousin, he's going to agree to marry you. And he and I both are going to be at the airport. Here's your ticket. Here's a ticket for your sister. Get on the plane. Come over. And you're going to get married. This is in the good old USA. She goes to that airport. She looks at that ticket. She looks at her sister. And she says, I'm not going to do it. She takes her sister back home, and then she lives a life of a fugitive on the run because that same dad put a death wish on his daughter's life. I was reading ABC News early this morning that it's called honor killings are just growing in America because these cultures, many of them have come to America and they're bringing their same culture with them that if you don't do this, then we're going to kill you. Aren't you glad that Christianity is a better way? Aren't you glad we don't, we don't kill one another? We, we, just, we just don't do that. So he puts a death wish on his daughter, and he commissions his son to go kill his sister, the daughter, and he almost did it. He almost got away with it. Well, she's living a life as a fugitive, and she signs up for the military, the U.S. military. She writes a note to her husband, I mean to her uh, dad and to her brother, and says, Uh, I'm with the U.S. government now. They're going to protect me. You can't kill me. And that's really what happened. True story. She'll tell this story on Friday. She was in Dallas, Texas, and a Christian lady walked by and saw that she was moving her belongings in her apartment. She said, can I help you? She said, sure. She helped her out, and then she invited her to her church. And Rocky said, well, I don't think God would be too upset with me. Allah would not be too upset with me if I went to another church. So she went, she sat, she listened, and got very, very angry at what she heard. Because the pastor said, Jesus is God. And she just got all spiritually discontorted. She got out of shape on that, and she just really got upset. She left, and she, she called out to, to the Lord. This is what she said. She said, this is totally foreign to me. They're calling you Jesus. They're calling you God. And and this this is literally her prayer. This is what she said. So I figured the only way anybody could answer this question was Jesus himself. So I prayed to Jesus, and I said, hey, Mr. Messiah, prove to me 
that you are God by doing what I want you to do. But Jesus never responded. (laughs) You know why? Because he can't be manipulated. He will not be manipulated. He will not be coerced. He will just be believed in. So she got no answer. She got no super Messiah miracle because Jesus doesn't act that way. He waits for you to believe. Listen, listen to me carefully. This is for somebody here today. You can't come on your terms. You have to come on his terms. Because if you get to come on your terms, that makes you God. Then he relinquishes his Godhead, and he can't do that. So here she comes. Mr. Messiah, do what I tell you. And Jesus said, no, I'm not. I'm not doing what you tell me to do. You're going to have to believe in me. She's oh, she got all upset. An Iranian pastor came to her and said, Rocky, here's what you need to do. Oh, this is good. This is, this is really good. This is for somebody. I don't know who you are, but listen carefully. He said, Rocky, believe what you can believe and leave the rest to God. Believe what you can believe. Just trust Jesus. Trust him. He says what he, he means what he says. Just trust him. He'll reveal the rest to you. She said, I did. And here's my story. Here's my testimony. Enrolled in a Christian college. Got her degree. Now she goes to Dallas Theological Seminary. Gets her master's degree. And she says, what's the next step on this amazing journey of a Muslim turned Christian? And by the way, I'm if y'all, if y'all might be guests here today, I am not politically and religiously correct. I just want y'all to know, okay? I, I believe in the Bible. I believe in Jesus. And if somebody wants to convert me with the sword, I'd much rather try to convert them with love, okay? And so here's, here's what happens. For 10 years now, Jesus Christ has been my God, and He has been my King. He has been my Savior, and currently I am working for a ministry. This is almost comical. I'm working for a ministry called The Good News for the Crescent World, and I am passionate about reaching out to Muslims and reaching out to the lost because I believe Satan has been defeated, and he wants to take many people down with him, but I have been redeemed, and I want to take many people with me as I possibly can. Listen, Jesus Christ is real. He came out of the grave. You can't manipulate him. You can't coerce him. You just have to pray, and you just have to have faith, and you must believe, and he will respond. Now listen, finally, when he responds, and he always responds, he responds, he's attracted to weakness, he's attracted to humility, he's attracted to childlike faith. When he responds, make sure you thank him, okay? That's my last point. Just make sure you thank God for his answer. I love the way Daniel did it. Daniel 2, 20 through 23, he just says, he, he gives this anthem of praise to God. Verse 28, he says, oh, but there's a God in heaven. Verse 37 of chapter 2, he says, for the God of heaven has answered my prayer, and I give him praise, and I thank him. Some of you are going, well, I do know God, and I do know Jesus. And there have been times when I've asked him for something, and he didn't give it to me. What do you got to say about that, Mr. Preacher? Well, thank you for asking first, by the way. Thank you for asking me. God always answers our prayers. He either says yes, he either says no, or he says wait. Here recently in my life, personally, I've had two things that I that I was faced with some impossible situations, and I really needed God to come through, and he didn't come through in either one of them. So wait a minute, Brother Danny, you sound like a heretic up there. No, what he did was he said no to both of them. 
And then it's like God saying, now what you going to do, preacher? Are you still going to preach about me? You still going to honor me? You still going to trust me? You still going to love me? Even though I've heard your prayer and I've said no. And by the way, one of those two, I've already seen how I'm so glad he said no. Because I see something even far greater that I'm going to get to do. And had God said yes, I wouldn't be able to do this big thing that I'm going to get to do. Now, the other one, I'm still clueless. <laughs> I don't know what he's up to, but I was initially disappointed. But I'm looking forward to seeing what he does in the coming months, in the coming years, with me, with you here at Great Hills. I think it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. So, let me, let me close it up this way. Usually, at, at Great Hills Baptist Church, we close every service with what is called an invitation. And it's a public thing where we stand and we invite people to come and they come to the altar and they meet a pastor or a deacon or a counselor and they pray. And it's really a sweet thing. And 51 times, usually Sundays out of the year, I do that except today. I'm not going to do it. You say, well, why not? Because I just don't feel led to do it today. I want to do something different, okay? Here's what I'd like to do. If you are here today, and you do want to talk to a pastor, and you do want to pray, and you want someone to share with you more about Jesus Christ, at the end of the service, when most people leave, we're going to have pastors and counselors. And by the way, pastors and counselors, I need y'all to hang out here at the altar, okay? I'm, I know y'all appreciate me giving y'all a big heads up. I'm, I'm, this is your heads up. Come to the altar and just hang out. And there may be people that just kind of want to come and just talk to you while the other people leave. But here's what I want to do. Whoop. Okay, this is what I want to do. If you're here today and you need a miracle in your life, in a moment I'm going to ask you to stand where you are seated. Listen, you're not going to come forward. I hope you don't stand and run out the door and say, my word, what in the world? This is the craziest thing I've ever been. Say, no, hang in there. Okay, remember, have faith, believe, pray. And what I'm going to do, I've only done this one other time, 31 years of preaching, I've only done this one other time, and I did it here at Great Hills Baptist Church. And what I did is I prayed a prayer of blessing, and for, it was, this one was specifically for men, and one of our young deacons, I didn't ask for his uh, permission to say this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. Matt Worrell will tell you in his 40s, he will say, when are, he keeps asking me, when are you going to do that prayer again? When are you going to do that prayer again? He said, because I stood, I prayed with you, I believed. He said, my life has been changed. He said, God has absolutely blessed and blown my business away. It, it's amazing. When are you going to do that again? Well, it's, today's the day I'm going to do it. But here's the deal. I want you to stand only if you mean it. And you're saying, God, I need a miracle. I need a miracle in my life. And you know what that miracle is, don't you? You know it's in your business. You know it's in your finances. You know it's in your relationship to God. You know it's in your relationship with your wife. And you know it's in your relationship with your, with your husband and with your children and maybe your grandchildren. And many people will say, hey, I'm, I'm cool. Everything's great. And you're going to be seated. And that's all right. But in a moment, when everybody bows their heads and close their eyes, I'm going to ask you to stand, whoever you are. Now watch this. Woo! I'm going to pray for you. And God's going to do something for you. It's just going to be cool. And I can't wait for you to call me and email me and say, wow, man, I've stood, I prayed, and God 
came through. Others of you are going to call me and email me and say, I stood, I prayed, ain't nothing happened. I'm going to say, wait. Just, just wait. And watch what he does. Anybody game? Some of you go, I don't want to be blessed. I don't want to be blessed at all. I just, I'm just going to sit right here and just, just be miserable. I don't want to stand. I don't want to stand. All right, stay, stay seated. All right. So let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Those of you that dare to do it, go ahead and stand. Just stand to your feet right where you are. Unashamedly, the only really person looking is God and me, so just stand. And I'm going to pray this prayer. And uh, Brother Terry's going to come, share a couple of words, and we're going to be dismissed. Go ahead and stand to your feet. God bless you. God bless you all. Many of you are seeking God for a miracle in your life. And I get the grand privilege of praying that miracle for you. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. I pray for every man, woman, teenager, student, boy, and girl that has stood to their feet. First of all, God, preeminently I pray that if they have not already, that today is the day they say, Yes, Lord, I believe in you, Jesus. I trust you. I don't understand everything about you, but best I know how, I just say, I believe you. I trust you as my Savior and my God. That's the first prayer I pray today for you. Secondly, Lord, I pray for the men that are standing. Lord, I'm asking you in the name of Christ, our Lord, that you would bless them. And God, you would give them favor, give them blessings in every realm of their life, Lord, physically, spiritually, materially, financially, however you want to do it, God, I pray that you would bless. I pray for those that own their own business. You would bless their businesses, God. You would prosper them in such amazing ways that they will have to say, listen, I'm telling you, it's all God. It has to be God. He's the one that's doing this. Lord, I pray that you would do it. I pray for fathers. Help them, God, to be good, faithful fathers to their children. And for husbands, Lord, to be good, faithful husbands to their wives. Lord, for these precious ladies that are standing, many of them, many of them have been calling out to you, God, and they are waiting on you to do something miraculous in their life. And Lord, I'm praying for them right now that you would do it. And God, you would bless these precious ladies as they stand to their feet. And Lord, they call out to you in prayer, and, and they are people like Esther and Ruth and Mary, and they are people in the Bible just like people today. These people, Lord, these women who are saying, Lord, I trust you. Lord, you know my impossibility. God, you know my cancer. And God, you know my rebellious children. And Lord, you know my failing health of my parents. And God, you know I'm in a new city. And you know I'm in a new place. And I'm just asking you to do something. And Lord, for the rest that are standing, they may be students, young boys and girls. Thank you for their faith. Thank you, Lord, that they're, by their standing, they are saying, I believe. I'm trusting God to do something in my life. So, Lord, we're just going to go out on a limb here and say, we trust you, we believe you, and I thank you in advance for what you're going to do in the lives of these who are standing. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and have a seat. You can be seated where you are. And I'm going to close this prayer, Lord, we're praying for those that did not stand, those, Lord, that are Maybe everything's great with them. That's awesome. Or maybe some just didn't want to stand and pray and believe. I pray for them, God, that you would give them grace. You'd give them strength. Let them know. Remind them how much you love them. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless.